You know, all throughout history and all throughout our generation today, we see influencers that shapes the culture, that shapes who we are and what we're all about. And we live in a world that is overrun and overwhelmed with influencers. I mean, you go onto YouTube and you see influencers all over the place. One of the biggest influencers on YouTube is Dude Perfect. You know, Dude Perfect has over 57 million subscribers. And they're just one of many what we would call as influencers on YouTube. And we all desire to be influencers like them. I mean, how many of you guys, like me, have then begun to look, wait, how can I start my own YouTube channel? How can I make my own 30-second to three-minute video that's going to change the world and bring me multi-millions dollars, right? We all want to be influencers. And long before YouTube has ever existed, there is this man named Jesus. And after he died and rose from the grave, and before he ascended back into heaven, this man Jesus called all of his followers to be the the influencers in the world. In fact, Jesus said this in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You see, in this moment, before Jesus went back into heaven, he gave a call, a task, an assignment to all those that choose to follow him, to be the influencers. Long before YouTube came to be, he said, you, you, my disciples today and in all future generations, you will be the influencers in this world. You will be my witnesses. You know, to be a witness, you need to first have seen or experienced whatever it is you're trying to witness about. It was years ago when I was a youth pastor, and I was leading the junior high week of camp, and I brought my oldest son with me that week. He was a little bit younger, so he was my helper for the week. And I'll never forget, after lunch one day, he came running out of the, out of the cafeteria and ran off into the ball field, and I had no idea where he went. And then my dad nervousness kind of escalated. Where did he go? And I went running down to the ball field to find out where he was. I thought he was around the buildings, but he wasn't there. I ran up into the woods and he wasn't there. And I started to have this little panic attack running around the whole camp like, where is this? And for a big guy to run all over camp like that, that's a big ask. I'm just telling you. And I'm running from side to side all over this camp trying to find where he's at. And I thought, well, the dorms are over there. So I went into the dorm to see maybe he ran into our room. We had our own private room in the dorms. I ran through there and was going back to our room. And in order to get to our private room, I had to go past some bunk beds. And there's two boys sitting on the bunk bed playing a game. And I said, hey, did you see my son? Did he run past here? Nope, no one's been through the building. Like, man, where'd he go? And I ran out, and frantically, I'm searching all over. I'm, like, getting ready, like, should I call 911? What should I do? Like, panic attack is starting to hit. And I was like, I'm going to give it one more. I'm going back in the door. There, I've checked everywhere. I did not actually physically walk into our room. So I went back into the dorm room. I walked past those two boys. I went to our room, opened up the door, and there he was sitting on the bed playing a game. Those two boys were horrible witnesses. I mean, he had to like breeze past them to get into that room. 
Jesus called us to be his witness in this world, to be the influencers of the world so desperately needs. But in order for us to be his witness, we need to know Jesus. We need to know Jesus so that we can share Jesus. And here's the problem. I think we wrestle up being his witness because sometimes we don't spend the time just getting to know him. How can we be our witness if we don't know him, we're not experiencing him in our life? It's hard for you and not me to say, God, where are you? You're non-existent in my life when our Bible just sits closed on the, on the pedestal all the time. I mean, what gives us the right to say, God, you're nowhere near us, you're not around us, and we don't even spend any time to hang out with him? To be his witness is first to know him, to actively pursue him. And the more we pursue him, the more we experience him, the more we are connected to him, the more we see what he's doing in our life and around our life. You don't know what I'm talking about? Go back. If you missed our message last week, go on our YouTube page and check it out. But to know him is then to take the next stop to be his witness, to be the influencers in this world, to share his hope. And when we share Jesus, we share him through our attitudes, through our lives, through the choices we make, the behaviors we commit to, our words, our actions, and being a part of his mission. Way before Jesus ever gave this call to be his witness, years before this, he was standing in front of all these people in what was the Sermon on the Mount. And in Matthew chapter 5, he called us to be salt and light. When he said that, he said, Saul is what preserves truth. And light is what guides towards truth. In order for us to know truth and understand truth and to exhibit truth, we need to walk with the truth in our life. And that's Jesus. But you know what the struggle is? We're motivated, driven. You, me, we're all the same. We're driven by our motives, and I think the question that we need to ask ourselves is, what drives us? What are the motives that drives you? What's the motives that drive me? Because we become a very rewards-based society. Everywhere we go to eat, we go there sometimes based upon our rewards. We have our apps for all the favorite places we like to eat or shop. And we go there consistently. You know why? Come on, I do too. Because if I get this many meals at this place, I eventually get the whoa, free meal. <laughs> right? If I go to this coffee shop and I drink so many cups of coffee a week, then I get to get the super venti big 10,000 shots of espresso drink. Right? We become so rewards driven, everything is about, I do this based upon the reward I think I'm going to get. And that's what motivates us. That's what drives us. Our life, our choices, our behaviors, all centers around the rewards we feel we're going to get in that effort, in that choice, in that direction we walk. 
You know, maybe it's rewards like attention or money or control or whatever it might be in your life, in your journey. We live that way. But what if we flip the coin? What if rather being driven, our motives being driven by what rewards we get, what if we become more responsibility driven? And please understand me, there's a big difference between the two. You see, in responsibility driven, we see that there's something bigger here than me. There's something bigger about this than me. You see, we are either reward-driven or we're we're responsibility-driven. And in this moment, I think we all need to pause, myself included, just pause and just check our hearts a little bit and ask, what motivates me? What are the motives that drive me? Do I ultimately do what I do in life? Do I ultimately commit to what I commit to because of the reward I think I'm going to get? Or do I commit to this because I see my responsibility in this It's bigger than me? What drives you? What drives you? Because we're either only going to go as far as what we think we're going to get in return, or if we're responsibility-driven, we go over and above. Even if we don't get anything in return. Even if there's no promise that there's anything in this investment. You see, to follow Jesus, to be his witness, I think we need to wrestle with a very, very big question. And that question is, are you willing to give more than you are willing to, than more that you will receive? Are you willing to give more than what you know you will receive? That's a big ask. That's a big step of faith. Because being faith and responsibility driven means I realize to take this step, what Jesus is calling me to do, to be his witness, to be a part of this mission, there comes a level of sacrifice. Sacrifice is not nice to hear or talk about because that wipes away rewards. We got to put our little apps away and like, okay, I'm not collecting my rewards now. I'm giving up something bigger than me. Because when we live rewards-based, we see it at our works, all at our places of work all the time, don't we? I mean, you go to work because you do this job because of the reward you receive, which is your paycheck. And sadly, all too often, many of us go to work and we say, well, you know what, I'm going to do up to this level, but I'm not going to do that because that's not my job. I don't get anything for that. And we've become a society that's become so reward-driven that it's like, this is the line I'll go to because I don't get anything if I step across that line. And then before you know it, we begin to see less and less my responsibility in this. But responsibility-based living sees I'm in something bigger than me. This is bigger than me. And I have a responsibility to play 
in this. I may see no return on my investment of time or energy or resources for me personally, but you know what? I have a role in this that's bigger than me. I need to own up to my responsibility. I need to have a level of sacrifice. Sacrifice is that step of giving myself my needs, my wants, everything about me for what is best for someone else or something else. The choices I make, the things I commit to, the life I live, to sacrifice is to realize there is a purpose greater than my own. There's something bigger than me. And this is exactly what we see Jesus asking his disciples. Years earlier, before he said, will you be my witness? Over three years before that, he was on this lakeside. And he saw these guys out in their cubicle. Their cubicle was a fishing boat. Doing their job. And he came to their place of business. He said, I got something for you guys. And he asked the big ask. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, we see him say, follow me. Follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. Think about that. He came to their work. And said, drop it all and follow me. This is the combination of your head and your heart and owning your responsibility. You said, Jesus said, follow me. For that was the head choice, the head response. You know, at some point in all of our journeys, just like the disciples on that day, there came a point in their walk that they, they had to make the head choice. You know what? I am choosing to follow Jesus. I am choosing to walk with him. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And at some moment in my life, I need to make the head choice. Jesus, you are my way. You are my truth. You are my life. You guide me. That's what they had to do. But I think, sadly, so many times we don't even realize the fundamental reality that every one of us is following someone or something. We live in a world of influencers. And everything about who we are is ultimately influenced by somebody else. And unfortunately, too often, many times, we blindly follow. We don't even recognize that we're doing that. And that's where Jesus says, you need to make the effort. You need to make the choice with your head. I am following you. You are my Lord. You dictate what I choose, what I do, how I live, where I go. That's the head choice. And then Jesus says, I will make you. Follow me and I will make you. This is the heart connection. This is Jesus begin to doing his part in our decision and choice to follow him. This is the heart to heart connection with God. See when I got your mind I got your heart. 
And Jesus promises us when we connect him heart to heart, he begins to transform our life. The more we pursue him, the more he transforms us. And you know what the beauty here? The disciples, when Jesus came to their place of business on that day and said, drop everything and follow me, let me be the way, the truth, and life for you, I bet you, you better believe in that moment, they're dropping their nets, they're dropping their gear, they're dropping their livelihood, and they have no idea how this is going to work out. They don't know how tomorrow's going to work out, or next week, or next month, or next year. This is a big ask. But when he says, I will make you, is also the promise that I'm not going to leave you hanging. I've got you. I will take care of you, and anything I'm calling you to, I will prepare you for. I'll prepare you. Just trust me. See, I will make you is a huge step of trust. It's acknowledging that, you know what? I don't have control over this stuff called life. I think I do, but really I don't. I don't have control over tomorrow or anything else. But this is me giving up my control to the one who created everything and has ultimate control. I will follow you. You will be the influencer in my life. And then he says, I will make you into what? Fishers of men. You see, when they were giving up their nets and walking away from the cubicle of their fishing boats, they were owning their responsibility. They were saying, I have a role in this too. Something bigger than me. Something bigger than me. This is our response as well. Owning our responsibility in the mission. This is what it means to be responsibility driven. This is the willingness to sacrifice. So the question remains, are you willing to give more than you will receive? Are you willing to take those bold steps to say this is bigger than me? God's calling me to something bigger here, to be his witness, to be salt and light in a world that's so desperately in need of his hope, of his direction. You know, there's a powerful story found in Mark chapter 12. There we see this poor widow and her response to Jesus. How she owned her responsibility. How she stepped up to the plate. You see, at this time and the custom of the day was all the people would kind of flock to the temple. The temple was where they could go to be with God's presence. Because Jesus did not die yet. The temple was a torn in two. We didn't have God's presence and his spirit at that moment in time. So to have being God's presence, to come and make themselves right before him, they had to come to the temple and bring their sacrifices and bring their offerings. And there at the courtyard in the public place was the treasury. And at the treasury, as they walked in the temple, everybody would balk past and drop their offerings into the treasury. 
And oftentimes, the rich and the powerful and the celebrities and those in the higher-ups of society, they'd walk past there and they'd be dropping in all their stuff in the treasury. And everybody was like, whoa, look at that guy. Look at her over there. I mean, that's just amazing at how much money they're dropping into the boat, into the, into the box. And then Jesus and the disciples were sitting there on this particular day. In Mark chapter 12, beginning in verse 41, the Bible says that Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put into two, in two small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into this treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, and listen to this final statement, she, out of her poverty, put in everything all she had to live on. You know, I read this story. I wish I could go back in time and meet this woman. Because this woman challenges me. She motivates me. Because I wish I could have as much faith as her. I wish I could have as much trust in God as her. When, when everybody else around her is kind of walking up there and, hey, look at me, putting on a show, look what I'm doing. They're more focused on the dollars being put into the plate when God's more looking at the heart of the person that's walking up to that plate. And she was the exhibit of a true heart that's longing after this God who created her. Because I just can only imagine reading the story the moments after she dropped these two coins into the bucket. These two coins was all she had left. That's what Jesus said. This was everything. All she knew was I am giving to the God who provides, Jehovah Jireh. I am giving this to the God who created everything that is. In this moment, I am giving God my heart saying, I trust you completely. And she dropped those coins in there. And I just wonder, like, when she walked away, what was going through her mind? Because in that moment, if she was like me, I'm brave to that point, drop it. And then your mind starts rolling. Oh, wait a minute. How am I going to get lunch today? How, how am I going to get groceries this week? How am I going to pay my bills? Because that's a huge step that woman took. A full trust in God's promise that he will provide. I'm weak. I can't say I have that amount of trust. I wish I would all the time, but I don't. But that's the standard I try to live up to. The responsibility-driven mindset. I may not have all the answers for tomorrow. All I know is I'm going to walk with a God who does.
And for that reason, I'm pursuing him. Not my heart, not my desires, not my motives. I'm pursuing him. I'm giving him my all. Even with no promise of anything in return. That's big. She walked away and she showed us something. She showed us what sacrifice is all about. She showed us what it means to own our responsibility in the mission. Being a part of something that's bigger than us. And my heart wrestles with that thought. Am I willing to live this same level of sacrifice? Am I willing to walk in the same way as this poor widow that I trust God completely with everything that I am? Just like the disciples walking out of that boat, just like this poor widow in this moment, am I willing in the same light to trust God enough that you know what? I'm giving you my everything. I don't know how tomorrow's going to work out, but I'm just going to walk with you and you take care of it. I think we wrestle with this. I'm with you guys in this boat. I think we wrestle with this because in many ways we become so comfortable. Comfortable in our way of life. Comfortable in our little box of Christianity. That in some ways we've lost the ability and willingness to trust God enough to take those big, bold scary steps to be his witness to be salt and light and my friends we live in a time and a day and age when the light needs to shine the light needs to shine God called us for a time such as this to be salt to preserve what is truth, to be light, to guide towards what is truth. To sacrifice is the ultimate step of faith, to trust God completely. To sacrifice is the acknowledgement that my reward ultimately is not in this world. I don't, I don't walk with Jesus. I don't, I don't take my steps. I don't cho- choose the choices I make based upon what rewards I can get in return. I choose it because I realize there's something bigger than me that he's calling me to be a part of. That he's calling us to be a part of. It's understanding and taking that step. You see, this woman at the treasury at the temple realized something that I personally wrestle with, and maybe you do too. There is a great reward on the other side of sacrifice. I just need to walk through it. We need to walk through it. I got my apps. And I go where I go because, well, I can get a return there. But it's trusting God enough that, you know what? My return is not about what this world will provide. The life I think I can gain in this world. My rewards are beyond this world. It's something bigger and greater than me. And you know what the Bible shows us all throughout scriptures? From, from Genesis all through Revelation? 
is that when we take this step of faith, God's faithfulness always, always, always comes through. And I think we wrestle because we, in our rewards-based mentality, say, okay, God, show me how it's going to work out. Show me how you're going to come through. Show me what you're going to provide for me. Then I'll take the step. But nowhere in the Bible do we ever see that happen. In fact, we see the opposite happen with the disciples, with Moses, with Joseph, with Joshua, with Esther. And you can go down the line, down the line of all these people in the Bible. God called them to something significant, something bigger than themselves. And they had no clue how it was going to work out. But it was when they took that step, when God's faithfulness came shining through. Take the step. You know, my friends, God continues to be on the move here at Impact. He is doing amazing things. I am so excited for what I have seen God do and what I believe God is about to do. You see, at Impact, our desire and our drive is to build a community of believers unified on a mission to pursue God and to share his hope. We want to be a place, whether you're here in person or joining us virtually, we want to be a place that everybody walks into this facility or joins us online, is seen, is valued, and has an opportunity to connect with a God who loves them desperately, that he died for them, and will transform their life. We believe that is what the world needs. We believe that is what will change the world. It's a movement bigger than ourselves. And we see God working in big ways in the year 2022. Let me just share some of the highlights to this midway point that we're in. You know, our weekly giving through the summer, which is usually a bad time, actually was pretty good. We've seen 20, over $24,000 a week in our weekly giving average in 2021. In the, in the same time period last year, we saw 21000 We saw an increase of over $2,700 per week through the summer. Way to go, church. Our new here guests, you know, we see new and more people coming to, to impact, to, to participate with what's going on here. You know, in 2021, in the whole year of that 2021, we saw 264 new here guests. So far, through September, we've seen 336 new here guests. Just in that year, that part, and there's three more months to go. Isn't that awesome? In our summer, since June till now, we've seen God moved in people's lives and lives being transformed. We've seen 20 baptisms since the beginning of June till this time of the year. In all of 2021, we saw 19 baptisms for the whole year. We saw more baptisms in the summer of 2022 than we saw the year of 2021. Isn't that awesome? God is moving. Our reach is expanding. We have people joining us through our virtual services all throughout the country. We have people as far as South Carolina and Ohio and Michigan and New York and other places around the states that are joining us to participate in what is happening here. I even know one family that completely moved from where they were to come to Pittsburgh because they wanted to be a part of impact. God is moving. He's doing some great things. 
Our YouTube reach is, is, go, is grown. We've had 79 new subscribers to YouTube this past year, and we want more so our reach even grows. So if you have not subscribed to Impact Pittsburgh on YouTube, do it now. Pull, I need to see some phones coming out. And so I, I see you guys. Come on, pull out your phones, get subscribing, do it now. You're allowed to pull out your phone. We need some more subscribers. Our Malakans food drive, which was a couple weeks ago, God did extraordinary things. We helped pack West Hills Food Pantry with over, over 5,500 food items. You know, plus extra financial donations that went in to help provide food for the, the food pantry. Next week, we have a team that's leaving here at Impact after the first service to go to Kentucky to help with uh, relief efforts from a tornado. I'm sure we're gonna be doing something here in the near future to help the victims of Hurricane Ian. We support missionaries locally and globally all throughout the, the, the world, and, and, we, and we see great things happening with our missionary partners that we support in, in, in Asia, in Europe, in Africa, and, and Brazil, just to name a few places where, where we, we help support what's going on there. You see, impact, because of your faithfulness, because of what you're doing, God is moving. Be church, because of your generosity, because of your willingness to own your responsibility in the mission that's bigger than ourselves, lives are being transformed. God is moving. And you know what? I believe with all my heart, God is on the verge of something even bigger and better yet. God is on the verge of greater things. For such a time of this, we as a church are in this moment in time to be salt, to be light, to share his hope, to be his witness. I believe with all my heart we are about to walk into a whole new season of opportunities. See, I don't see problems. I see opportunities for God to move, for God's light to shine for lives to be transformed. And the more we team up and unify together in that mission to take steps like the disciples, like that woman, the bigger things that God can do, not just in our lives, but through our lives, to be his witnesses all throughout the world, to be a place where his light shines, to be a place where a community is built that pursues God and shares his hope, that when everybody walks in this place or turns in online for us, they say, hey, this is a place where I'm seen, where I'm valued, where I'm cared for, and I can connect with a God who desperately loves me, who died for me, that's transforming my life. We have an opportunity in this moment in time. And in order for us to accomplish that, we need you. We need you. Because through our partnership of community, we can finish 2022 even stronger than ever we've ever seen before. We can move into the new year of 2023 with such a strength and might and movement that begins to shape the world and shape the culture around us for the name of Jesus. But we need you. We need you to participate with us. Here's some great ways that you can participate with what God is doing here at Impact. The first step is to part, uh, partner with us on a ministry team. 
You know, if you're not serving in one of our weekend service ministry teams, we need you. On average, we have about 100 people every weekend that makes church happen. Whether it's our praise team, tech team, safety team, guest central team, parking lot team, impact kids team, um, cafe team, just to name a few. Our, Our online team is in the back of the house making virtual church happen. You know, we have so many things going on right now in this hour to make the service what it is. And we need you. You know, we need at least 30 new volunteers each weekend to help us take the bigger and bolder steps that we want to take. To be a place where every person has an opportunity to be seen and valued and cared for and connect with a God who desperately loves them. And we need you. If you're not a part of one of our weekend service teams, will you consider being a part of one of our teams? We've got, you can stop by the table in the back and we would love to help you find a spot. And I get asked all the time, well, which team needs, needs me the most? They all do. <laughs> so just pick a team and let's roll. But will you participate? Will you partner with us to be a place that his light continues to shine brighter and brighter and brighter because of the unified effort of the body. The more God works through us together, collectively, the greater things he can do. Will you join us in the ministry team? The next way that you can partner with us is in the area of generosity. I know we don't like to talk about this, but tithing is something the Bible talks about and calls us towards You know, tithing is all about trusting God completely. You know, there are many of you guys who have taken a step and faithfully take this step in your life. And I just want to thank you. Thank you, church, for your generosity. Because of you, things are happening. Did you know also throughout the week we have our Landing Community Center where we see hundreds of people every week come in for free play, birthday parties, business meetings. We have the Air National Guard that comes here and, and gets a workout and, and, practice and plays soccer. I mean, there's so many great things that are happening every week, Monday through Friday, here at the Landing. All because of your generosity. Thank you, church. And if you're here and you have not taken the step of, of partnering with us in the area of tithing, I'm just humbly asking, will you consider taking that step? Will you take that step? You know, honoring God with the first 10% of our money, that's what tithing is. And we take the step of obedience to allow God, to be partner with God, to trust God and say, God, I want to follow you completely. I want to worship you in this way. And then he says, the rest of it, I will bless you with. You know, think about it. God says here, I'm giving you this dollar. You got this new dollar. And all I'm asking for is 10 cents of it. One dime. The other 90 cents is for you. It's for, you, for me to bless you and be there for you and help and provide for you. All I'm asking is you trust me with this 10. And watch what God begins to do in your life and through your life. And when we tithe locally, God brings the increase which enables us to give globally, which gives us the opportunity to do everything we do with our mission partners all around the world in all aspects of, of what God's doing around the, the, the corners of this globe. And so it gives us an opportunity to give back to God and trust God and walk with him and own our responsibility in that. And you might be thinking, well, that's, 
I don't know if I can take that step. I, I hear you. I struggled with that in my life too. There was a time before I really got serious with it that I was like, God, I just can't do it. I got the bills to pay. I got to get groceries. And I had to flip it because I would always pay my bills and then figure out how to tithe. And then when I started doing my bills, I switched it several years ago to where it's like, okay, I'm tithing. Then I'll figure out how to do the rest. And guess what? God came through. Don't get me wrong. I'm not sitting here and saying that you're going to give and all of a sudden you're going to become this multimillionaire. That's not scriptural. But what God does promise is that he'll provide for you. He'll take care of you. He'll always be there with you every step of the way. If you've ever taken a step, I'm just asking, why don't you try it for a month? Try it for 30 days and see what God does. I bet if you just try it and take that step, you'll see God's blessing in different ways in your life. In ways like, wow, how did he do that? That's pretty cool. I'm going to trust him in that. Will you partner with us and, and, and give that a try if you haven't taken that step? For those of you that are partnering with us in the area of tithing, I, again, I just want to thank you because God is doing extraordinary things. And God's been moving in great ways. But I have to be honest that we still have a, with what we budgeted, that we still have some things that we have not been able to do, that we would like to do in ministry with our missions partners. And on top of that, we also see being five years in this building. Can you believe we've been five years in this building? And we see the building catching up with us. We have the parking lot that needs done, among other facility needs that need to get done, that, that we've been kind of holding back on from taking those steps that, that we want to catch up on. But we need your help and support to help us to take those steps, to do the things that we want to do in ministry and with our mission partners and with our facility. And God, this is a big ask, and I'm just going to humbly ask you guys. For those of you who are faithfully giving, will you prayerfully consider taking a step of faith and going above and beyond your giving? Help us to close out this year strong. In fact, I'm asking for 250 people. 250 people that are willing to take a big step of faith and partner with us over the final three months to give an additional $1,000 to help us finish strong and go into 2023 with full force. Would you consider partnering with me in that? Some of you may be thinking, Bill, I can't, that's too big of a step. I can't do that. I get that. I'm not pressuring you to do that. Maybe you can give an extra couple of hundred or something. Some of you guys might be sitting here and saying, I could even do more than that, Bill. I could take a bolder step. And if that's you, would you consider taking that step? God's been on the move, guys. God's been doing some amazing stuff. He's been showing his faithfulness week in and week out. Lives have been transformed week in and week out. And I believe he's just slowly cracking open that door for something bigger even yet. Will you partner with us in the area of serving and the area of generosity? And let's see what God does in this next season of impact. He is on the move. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for how good you are. Lord, your faithfulness 
is truly amazing. And Lord, in this moment, I know these are some big asks. And Lord, I just pray that you help us to take the steps, whether it's in the area of serving or in the area of generosity, to see our responsibility and the mission that you've called us to. And Lord, as we take these steps, I pray that you reveal your faithfulness, that we may experience more and more of you in our life, your blessings, your favor, and your goodness. Motivate us towards your heart, Lord Jesus, that we can experience you more. Help us as individuals and as a community of believers to be your salt and light, to be your witness that this world so desperately needs. Lord, may we help every person that walks in this place be seen, be valued, and be loved and have an opportunity to connect and be transformed by you. It's in your name we pray.